This is the ministry from Sovereign Grace Reformed Church in Tiverton, Devon, United Kingdom. Well, once again, dear church family, this Lord's Day we'll be considering the much misunderstood words of verse 14 of Exodus 34 where the word of God says, For thou shalt worship no other God. This has in mind, of course, the first commandment. For thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Well, contrary to popular opinion, to be jealous is not necessarily a bad thing, is it, according to the word of the living God? In fact, we see here, it is actually a virtue when it is exercised in godliness and in righteousness. As we know with the Apostle Paul, when he uh, spoke to the Corinthian believers in the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 11, 2, he said, For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy for I have espoused you to be to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ of course Paul had here in mind did he not he had in mind that the faith a healthy and vigilant concern for the faith and the purity of those who professed to know the Lord Jesus Christ that their lives would be honouring through through the faith. Now, friends, it must be said that the jealousy which we see by the natural man in the society that we live in typically is exercised in a very cruel and often a very evil way. And, of course, selfishness is at the bottom of such jealousy. And it can also be said that even Christians can be guilty of that in terms of their backsliding state. However, jealousy in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's not a sinful thing, which our society will will have you believe in. A man may be jealous for the integrity and honour of his name and that of, of loved ones and friends and brethren and righteous causes especially amidst unjust slander. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? Just like it's, it is with righteous anger, so it, it is too with righteous jealousy as well. We know that the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God, and this is true, of course, with righteous or godly jealousy. A husband can be jealous for the affection of his wife and his wife for the husband. He wants his wife's affection to be his and not her affection to be stolen by another man. That's a healthy thing, isn't it, when it's exercised in godliness. Abraham wanted Sarah all to himself, didn't he? He didn't want her affection to be stolen by another You see, friends, when jealousy is kindled up over potential rivalry, it can affect the deep and secret recesses 
of the very depths of the heart, can't it? It can be like a flame amidst the kindling, as it were. It can so spark a great fire that can be utterly consuming. It can be like a tsunami, as it were, that leaves nothing in its wake. It can utterly destroy, as it were, until that rivalry which seeks to steal that affection is completely consumed. It can be like locusts that strip the field of rivalry, leaving not a a grain left of rivalry and competition, as it were. Such can be jealousy. And friends, the jealousy which we see outlined here in God's word, for thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God, has in mind the uncompromising regard that God has for his deity, that God has for his divinity. That is who God is, his nature, his very essence and being. God will not give that to another. So it has in mind the uncompromising regard that God has for who he is. He is God alone. And he will not have that which is not God to be called God's. You see, God will not countenance that which is not God, that which is not deity, that which is not divine. He will not compete as the creator with his creation. He is God alone. He is the maker alone. He will not compete with the affections of earthly Hollywood ideals. False gods will happily, happily tolerate other gods. The false gods of Baal and Ashtaroth and Dagon and Moloch and the gods of Canaan and Egypt, they are ha- they'll happily live, long, live alongside one another and tolerate one another. But the true God, the God of Israel, the creator God, will utterly cast down and burn these gods, which are no gods. They will not stand before the true God, as we saw with Elisha. God will not compete with them. And this is exactly what we see in the Old Testament. It was divine jealousy that moved the Lord God to bring those plagues upon Egypt. A careful reading of the word of God here in Exodus 12 will show you that it was those false gods that moved the true God over a jealous zeal over his people and to uh, punish, as it were, these false, false gods. Exodus 12, 12 says, Against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. The wonders, dear friends, which God performed in Egypt back then were aimed at the false gods of Egypt. People were tormented by the very things which they gave their hearts to, didn't they? You see that great river Nile, as it were. People people gave their hearts and and worshipped that river for its fertility and its life-giving powers. But God created that river. God gave that river, but they lifted it up. And the very earthly ideals, the things which they lifted up, were were their same tormentors, as it were. God uh, brought judgment upon 
their gods and turned the river into blood, did he not? And life ceased, as it were. He brought frogs out of the river that spread across that whole land and started to eat their food and get in everything. They turned into their greatest tormentors. You see, dear friends, if we give our heart to the creature instead of the creator, those things which we give our hearts to will be our greatest tormentors. You see, friends, God has a holy indignation against those who make light of his divinity, of who he is. He is God alone. He has made us for himself. Psalm 100 says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. You see, God knows what's best for us. He is jealous over us because he has given us a never-dying soul. He's made us for himself. He's made us in his image to love him and to enjoy him and to glorify him forever. He knows that we are like sheep. If we don't seek him, his face and his blessing, we will be like sheep that go astray from our good shepherd of our soul. And he knows that we are in desperate need of his precious son, which he's given for us to save us from our sins so that we can truly glorify him and live for him. You see, God has made us, dear friends, for himself, for his own peculiar treasure. We must live for him. We're not just made for the here and now. We're made for a higher purpose. We're made to live for our maker. Do we live our lives, dear friends, in this light? Or are we just living for the temporary, living for the here and now, as if there's no God, no holy God that has made us? Or do we make light his laws, his holy laws? It is obvious that this is the finger of God. Do we make light his judgments? Do we make light his sovereignty over our very lives? He is in control. We are not in control of our own lives. God has made us. He is sovereign over our lives and our souls. Holy Scripture in today's text really gives us a a sense of how God feels when he sees man filling his heart, which is the throne of affection, with earthly ideals and earthly things instead of that which is which which was man was made for was for God which was to enjoy God and to love him and to seek his face and to know his blessing when man exalts his fellow man and creature over his maker how does that make God feel as it were Friends, this is to break the first commandment upon which all the commandments hang upon. It is idolatry to not seek after the Lord God with all your heart, the the never dying soul that he has given you. He wants to bless you for eternity, to not seek his face, to live for yourself, for Hollywood ideals, for earthly ideals. It's idolatry. For thou shalt worship no other God For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. God is jealous for his creatures that he has made, the pinnacle of his creation. 
Those, he wants to worship him. He wants to commune with you. Are you living for him? I'd like to ask you a question. Who occupies the pole position in your heart, the very depths of your heart and soul? Does God own that first position in your heart, in your soul, in your thoughts, in your imagination, in your daily routine? Or are you putting other things before your maker? Will he not know what's in the heart, who's made the heart, dear friends? Who, who is first in your heart and in your life? I'm not talking about if you come to church. I'm not talking about even if you come to a good Bible-believing church. That can be, those are very wonderful things. But who's first in your heart? Do you love him with all your heart? Have you sought him as the pearl of great price? Friends, why is it that Israel was often defeated in battle? Why is it that they often routed out the land that God gave them? Was it not because they provoked God with their high places and they moved God to jealousy with their graven images? Was that not the reason? Jeremiah of old, of course, the prophet, warned Israel of their ruin if they would continue to forget about their maker, the, the, the covenant-keeping God, the promises of God, and if they would not frame their lives after the Lord God. Jeremiah 16, 11, 12 says, Because your fathers have forsaken me, saith the Lord, and have walked after other gods, that is the gods of the nations, the things which men and women just give their hearts to, and have served them, and have worshipped them, and have forsaken me, and have not kept my law. And verse 12, ye walk every one after the imagination of his evil heart, that they may not hearken unto me. You see, if you just live and serve temporary earthly things, dear friends, and ignore God's voice, I'm afraid to say that the wrath of God abides upon you. And that is a terrible thing. God is a jealous God. He has made you for a purpose. Friends, to provoke God to jealousy over what is rightfully his is to lose God's favour. And you do not want to do that. You see, our souls, our bodies belong to God. They don't belong to us. We're his property. He has made us for himself. Don't believe what the culture says. Live for number one. Live for yourself. That is a lie, friends. We're made for almighty God. We're made for great eternal purposes. You're made for a higher purpose, to have a relationship with your God. Don't give your heart to the creature instead of the creator. Friends, to provoke God to jealousy over what is rightfully his really is to lose his favour with God. And this is especially true, spiritually speaking. I'm not talking about the, 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 the prosperity gospel, which is a, a complete sham. I'm talking about spiritual blessings in high places. Look upon Ephesus, that once great and renowned city. I've been there before, dear friends. And look at it now. All that learning, all the people of the, of the world going to that great city. But look at it now. I've been there. It's in complete ruins, that once great city. It's just scattered with cats, hissing cats, as it were. 
It's a complete, it's a complete, uh, it's just destroyed, friends. Look at it. Look upon the great temples and buildings of ancient Greece and pagan Rome and you will see dilapidated buildings of ruined empires because they have provoked God in their jealousy over, over their vanities and over foolish deities. They have, they have exalted the creature over the creator. Friends, in saying this, God is exceedingly long-suffering and patient with us. He, he, dear friends, does not give us what we deserve. He is incredibly long-suffering. He bears long with us. He knows our frame. He knows we are, we are like sheep, as it were. And so he gives us many, much chances to repent and to turn from our, our sin. But you see, friends, God's Spirit will not always strive with man's spirit. God will send out messengers to proclaim you to come in, to, to go through the door. And if you will not listen to his messengers, he will set his heavy hand of providence upon you. For it's better to go into to, to heaven with one arm, as it were, than have both arm and body and soul cast into hell, isn't it? You see, God, if you will not listen to the word of God, he will... He will come in providence, in providential trials, friends. God seeketh truth in the inward parts. He sees what we give our hearts to, friends, and our minds to. As Joseph did with his brethren, which we're learning about at the moment. God will search out and discover what's in the heart of man. What we're giving our hearts to. He will try the reins of man and prove whether we truly are trusting in the Saviour, whether we have truly put all our faith in Christ and his finished work upon that cross for our salvation, or if we're trying to get into heaven a different way. Oh, friends, beware. Beware lest there be amongst us an evil heart of unbelief that seeks to depart from the living God in a, a foot in the world and a foot in the church type of Christianity. That will never do, dear friends. God will give his glory to no other. You know, one can even have an outward veneer of, of godliness, of righteousness. They can be as a whited sepulchre, as it were. They can be beautiful from the out. They, they can sing loudly. They can come to church. They can wear the right things. They can be respectable citizens in society. They can be like this whited sepulchre. And people can think, oh, what a wonderful Christian. They never curse, they, they're so polite, but yet within they can be like dead man's bones within. They can be empty, void of spiritual life, void of being born again with the Holy Spirit of God and truly turning from their sin and their own ways to get right with God and putting all their trust in the Saviour. For the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. God wants your whole heart, friends. He doesn't want part of your heart. He doesn't want a divided heart. He wants your whole heart. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, with everything that you've got. He doesn't want part of your life or some of your thoughts some of the times. He wants all your heart, all the time. 
That's the main word in that command. All. All the heart. All the soul. All your mind. There's got, got to be a true turning with everything that you've got from sin. And from the things of this temporary world which will be burnt up to the only saviour of sinners. You must turn and forsake those things and cast everything upon the, the, the spotless Lamb of God. And he will forgive you and save you mightily from all your sin. You've you got to go all in. Don't believe in this prosperity gospel. Don't believe in this worldly Christianity where you can still live for the fashions of this world, still live for the things of this world, have part of the world and part of Christ. No, no, no. You're all in. All turning now. Casting everything upon the Lamb, dear friends. It's got to be everything. A whole heart, not a divided heart. The Lord is a jealous God. He is jealous over his sovereignty, friends. He wants to be sovereign over your life. He has made you. He deserves that, more than deserves that. He is a great God and a great king above all kings. He is Lord of Lord and King of kings. He is deserving of all our honour and all our praise and all majesty and all dominion. Friends, he is the potter and we are the clay. And we, like the, the clay, can be like proud dust, can't we? We could shake our fists at God like proud dust. Why hast thou done this? Why? And often it's because we're in rebellion from God. God is a jealous God. He is jealous of his sovereignty. He wants to be completely sovereign over our hearts and our lives, friends. Many will make a fair show of religion, but they will want Christ, they will not want Christ to reign over their entire heart and soul. Is Christ Lord over what you think? Is he Lord over your thought life? Over your imaginations, what you imagine? Or do you say, will these be my gods? I'm not allowing God to go there. What? What? You mean I need to repent over things I think? Over the imaginations of my heart? Oh yes, that's what it is to be truly a born-again Christian. God seeketh truth in the inward parts. Is Lord over the Lord of all. Lord of your heart, your heart's affection, your desires, your thought life. Oh, friends, we all get it wrong. We all get it wrong. We all miss the bullseye of obedience. But are you being honest with God? Is Christ Lord over your daily routine? Do you, does your day, does your whole day, do you start the day with the Lord? Do you, do you do business with God before you go to business? Do you commit the day to the Lord and depend upon him and cry to him? Friends, this is what it is to be a true born again Christian. Is he Lord over your daily routine? Is Christ Lord over where you go? What, what entertainments you employ? Is he Lord of your whole life, friends? That's what it is to be a true born again Christian. It's nothing less than that. If, if, if he's not Lord over your heart and your desires, you're not yet a Christian. And you must be born again. You must seek his salvation. It's urgent. Don't be like one of those five, five virgins that we're not ready, friends. Don't try to get into heaven a different way, friends. Hell is too long, friends. And the, the ruin is too great. 
Is Christ Lord over your whole life? Not just part of it. Your whole life, friends. That's what true biblical salvation brings. That's what true salvation in Christ brings. You see, many people continue to provoke God to jealousy because they ignore God's alarm, bowel and system for the soul, which is our conscience. You see, God has given us a conscience unlike the animal. An animal will just tear up another animal, no problem, in the wild. It will not be overcome with self-doubt. God has given us a conscience, dear friends. It's God's voice speaking to us, convicting us of our sin and our great need of him. It's his alarm bell that says, you need to get right with me. And I've provided a complete uh, and finished sacrifice through my son. A finished work. And if you put all your trust in him and turn from your own efforts and your sin and trust upon the Lamb and, and his merits alone, he will save you and justify you. Will you do that today, dear friends? Will you stop the voice of conscience? Will you continue to stop the voice of conscience and ignore God's voice? Or will you hearken to God? This is not about me. This is about the word of God here that is forever settled in heaven. Oh, friends, many people continue to provoke God through ignoring the conscience, that alarm bell that God has put within us. They harden their hearts to the gospel of Christ with a formal religion. Oh yes, I go to church. Oh yes, I don't swear. Oh yes, I dress this way and I do this and that. But they have not yet closed with Christ. They they have not undergone that radical transformation which Christ often spoke about. A man must be born again. There must be a real, true transformation in the heart that God will give you if you sincerely seek him. No one who ever sought him earnestly and prayerfully and, and with their whole heart was ever cast out of that door. The door will burst open at a true repenting sinner. That can be you, friends, today. It really can. Come with all your sin and your guilt and your failures like I did. This poor man cried unto the Lord many years ago. With all my sin and my failure, I cried unto him. I could not save myself. And I cried to him on on a train in Italy. And, And the Lord saved this poor man from his sin. Transformed me from within. And I don't deserve his salvation. And that's true of everyone that is a Christian here. They're saved by his grace. A complete transformation. Bring it all. Bring it all. Believe, friends. Friends, if we do not listen to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we provoke God. We provoke God to jealousy because we belong to him. Our souls belong to him. When God providentially, when we do this, God will providentially bring us low, friends. And I don't like to say this, but it's true. This happened, this happened to me. God started to take away lots of things in my life because I wasn't listening to those who came and, and, and were, were telling me about the word of God. God will providentially bring you low. You see, many people, when they, they're brought low for a while, maybe through sickness, maybe through financial trials, maybe through lots of other things, they're brought to a situation where they're brought low. 
And for a time they start to get concerned about their soul and perhaps they attend church and maybe they even start reading their Bible. But then they start to get better and they recover. And there's a bit of respite, as it were. And I think, well, things aren't not as bad as I thought they were. And the devil, you see, deceives them, you see. And they go back to their old lives like a dog to the vomit, as it were. Like a pig to the wallowing in the mire. You see, the devil, friends, is incredibly crafty. Incredibly deceitful. He's a liar and a murderer, isn't he? From the beginning it was ever so. You see, friends, self-righteousness can also deny God's sovereignty. Being self-righteous. You know, know, many do say in their hearts, I can get to heaven this way or that way. I need need not to trust in Christ alone, by faith alone, by his grace alone, which is to God's glory alone. I can be my own redeemer. You see, I can enter into heaven by my own integrity, by my own character, the family which I was born from. I can get to heaven because we're outstanding citizens. And look, I've got money, so God must have blessed me. So God's shining upon me, you see, because I've got these things. And so I can get into heaven by being a good person, by my merits, by my works. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that even our own righteousness is as filthy rags in his sight. Filthy rags, your righteousness. They're not going to get you to heaven, friends. Friends, nothing provokes God more to jealousy than self-righteousness. We saw that with the Pharisees, did we not? Friends, you must, you must cast off these filthy rags because it takes away the glory and the sovereignty of God's name and salvation and it puts it into the hands of man, doesn't it? It takes away the glory due to his name. Law-keeping can never save you, friends. It is obvious. It is obvious that we all fall way short of the glory of God. You must cast off those filthy garments of self-righteousness and works and put on Christ's spotless, pure garments like Abraham did. Abraham believed in God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, wasn't he? By faith, he believed that through his seed, the saviour of the world would come and that would be Christ. And he believed that he would be saved through Christ, just believing in that. And it's true of you. If you truly believe in Christ, that he is your saviour, that he died and he bore your sin and he was punished for all your sins, past, present and future. It is finished, the complete work of salvation. It is done. You do not need to add anything to that. You just come to Christ as a poor, needy sinner, pleading for him to save you by his merits. As with the Apostle put it in Romans 9.16 So then it is not of him that willeth nor of him that runneth but of God that showeth mercy. God will have mercy and not sacrifice. Friends, God is a jealous God of his glory. He will not give his glory to another. Everything that is pure and holy and righteous and wholesome is from God. 
He is the fount of every blessing. He is the great benefactor behind all that we have. Every good and wholesome and pure and holy thing comes from God. Friends, he will not attribute that to another. He will not attribute all that is good from another, as it were. We must come to him. God is a good God and a merciful God and a gracious and passionate and tender and just God. It is only the stiff-neckedness of man, the pride of man that seeks to diminish the glory due to his holy name. O friends, give unto the Lord the glory and strength that he deserves. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his holy name. The Bible says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves. Understand that you're a hell-deserving sinner in your need of Christ alone to save you. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. Finally, friends, let us know assuredly that the Lord is jealous over his blood-bought people. He is jealous over his people. He is married with a covenant to his people. A covenant that can never be broken. The covenant of grace. Friends, they are wedded to him. His people are as the apple of his eye. He's always watchful over them. He's always mindful over them. He's always watchful over his bride and of the purity of his bride. Has he chosen you, dear friend? Why would you want another if he has chosen you? Have you been clothed by Christ, dear friends, and by his righteousness? Or why would you want the filthy garments? That this world offers you. Has not Christ loved you with an everlasting love? Is not his love more powerful than death itself? And would you want the phony, fake, temporary love of this world over that of Christ? Has not Christ suffered in your stead? Was he not derided and despised of men? Was he not spat at and crucified? Out of love for you, this is a love which is more powerful than death itself, friends. This love ought to move us to pour contempt upon our pride and to pour out our hearts before him in repentance and faith, to live for his glory, to seek his face. Has not Christ said that I will never leave you nor forsake you? And he means it. If you truly come to him and seek him this day, he will never leave you. Or forsake you. He'll always be there for you. His love will always be upon you. He is wedded to you through a covenant. And he'll never break that, friends. Because of his great name's sake. Because of his honour's sake. Because he is always faithful. Friends, if you do not believe and love the Lord your God with all your heart. Friends, is he not just... Is he, is he not just to take away all that we have? He has given us everything. Is he not just to take away those things which we've made into gods through our hearts? He is, isn't he? You see, we came into this world with absolutely nothing and we're going to leave with nothing. Only that which is done for the Saviour is going to matter in the end when we breathe our last, friends. I really hope and pray 
that there is not one here or even a few here that will not hearken to the voice of God will harden their hearts say no I've got my own system I've got my own way of church of religion that's not going to do only Christ friends you must close with Christ to those of us who are Christians already remember that you are married to a jealous husband he is jealous over you with a godly jealousy he wants you all to himself your thoughts your imagination your heart your mind your day-to-day life he wants it all he's married unto you he loves you he will never forsake you he bears long with you there's forgiveness with him of course but just rem- just re- just remember that he's jealous over you he wants to commune with you he wants your company he wants to hear your cry he wants you to depend to, to depend upon him he wants to commune with his people God is jealous for his people's company. He wants you every day to think upon him, to commit yourself to him, to live for him. Friends, if you're born again, you're safe. You're safe. Jesus, the Lord Jesus said, a man must be born again. You're safe if you are born again. God is jealous concerning his honour. His promises will never fail you, friends. But if you're not born again, you're in great danger because the wrath of god dear friends is a real thing it will be it will come it will be it will be poured out dear friends on that day, great day of reckoning there will be a reckoning for those who will not listen to the savior i just hope and pray that we all here will truly if we haven't yet closed with with god with christ that we all here will truly seek him and that we will find that in him dwelleth all the riches of god and that we'll know the love of God which passes all understanding and the peace of God which passes all understanding. Amen. Amen. Feel free to contact us at Sovereign Grace Church in Tiverton. Email us at grace2seekers at gmail.com That's grace2seekers at gmail.com Alternatively, you can visit our website at www.sovereigngracereformedchurch.co.uk